0: You might recall that I was denied a visa to the US in the Trump years, so I, I was unable to renew my, my friendship with the Statue of Liberty, which, as you know, signals to the world America's uh, value of freedom. Now, if you were to travel to Ramallah in the West Bank, you would be struck by a large figure also representing, yes, freedom. It's an enormous statue of Nelson Mandela, 20 feet high, donated by the South African city of Johannesburg in 2016. I had the honour of spending a day with Mandela here in Sydney and learned from him that he was an ardent supporter of the Palestinian cause and a champion for Middle East peace. And his legacy lives on in South Africa's uh, representations to the International Court of Justice on behalf of the people of Gaza. Now, the West Bank has been in a political hiatus since 2006 when the last election for the Palestinian Legislative Court was or Council was held. The 88-year-old uh, President Mahmoud Abbas indefinitely postponed them back in 20 twenty one. Now, the man who was seen as his natural successor has been hailed as the Palestinian Mandela, and according to uh, to commentators, is the most popular Palestinian leader alive. Some say he's the only man who could negotiate a deal between Hamas and Israel. But he has been in jail in Israel for 22 years, serving five life sentences for murder. a life sentence and uh, political career are the subject of a new documentary showing at the Palestinian Film Festival. It's called Tomorrow's Freedom, and I'm joined by uh, co-director Sophia Scott in Malawi, and producer Sorsan Asfari in London. To you first, Sophia, you're an English filmmaker. How did you, or why did you want to make a film about a Palestinian prisoner?
1: Um, Thank you so much, Philip. Um, My sister and I were actually in Lebanon at the time, making our second feature film, Um, and we were spending a lot of time with Palestinians who had fled into Lebanon Um, and we hadn't heard of the name Marwan Bagouti, even though we had spent some time in the Middle East, we were noticing a lot of murals of his face, graffitied on the wall. Um, and it really made us look into who this man was. Um, a lot of Palestinians were saying, you know, he's our natural hero. Um, he's the chance for peace. You know, he's not looking for revenge or he's not got an ideology. He just wants to build peace so that we can live you know, a normal life. Um, so we went on a mission to sort of discover who this was. Um, we found an interview done. It's actually the only English language interview done with Marwan from prison. And it was only a few years after he was arrested. So we're talking, you know, about 18 years ago with an amazing lady called Lindsay Hillsum. Um, so we watched this interview and we found him so very captivating. He seemed like he seemed very likable. Um, he seemed very honest on camera um and as we researched him a little bit more we found out that um his family were in Ramallah. so we went on a mission to find a contact so that we could actually try and make contact with him um which didn't work but we made contact with his wife and his his four children
0: now you um, sp- you spent five years filming his family
1: yeah, we spent, yes, but we, the, the film took five years to make. Um, we went in and out of Israel and, and the West Bank um, for about three years of that. So from 2017, we were in and out sort of every month um, spending a lot of time with his wife, his three sons and daughter. Um, very moving um, place to be with them. And they really welcomed welcomed us into their, their close family circle. The
0: film opens with a shot of uh, the campaign headquarters and... There on the wall is a large portrait of Nelson Mandela.
1: Yes. So, you know, we as we researched Marwan and spoke to people that knew him, everyone was often bringing up Mandela and that Marwan could be this figure, this uniting, peaceful figure. Um, and I think it's a very, very strong message. It's a very um, valid likening. Um, we definitely see... Comparisons, um, and I think it helps um, the rest of the world understand who Marwan is. Being able to liken him to a figure like Mandela, um, and it also shows the the massive um, presence and power that he
2: could have if released.
0: So, Sen, how did you get involved?
2: Um, I had met Sophia and Georgia um, at a pri- uh, previous screening. And then when um, they came to me saying, do you know anything about Marwan Barghouti? And, uh, you know, I'm half Palestinian and... uh I grew up in uh, in Lebanon. In my early years and our school was next to an Helwe camp, so we were. I was quite aware of all the you know Palestinian uh, issues and cause, and I was quite an activist in my teenage years. And Marwan Barghouti was one of my heroes. You know, I had followed the trajectory of his life. I I, I, uh, I was quite aware of of what is happening constantly. So when they came asking and, and wanting to um, uh, do a documentary about them, I uh, I jumped on the chance uh, uh, to, to produce it with them. And uh, that's how we started the project.
0: Sophia, you wanted to to track his uh, development as a political leader, which involved, well, navigating 30 years work of archival material going back as far as 1996, when he was a member of the Palestinian Legislative Council. What was he up to?
1: I mean, from what we understand, he was very much on the street. You know, he's from a small village called Kober, which is in the outskirts of Ramallah. He was always um, at demonstrations. He was at university. He was rallying people to get their voices out. Um, he was in meetings with Israelis. This is the fascinating thing, you know, over the course of his career, before he was arrested for the for the final time, you know, 22 years ago, he was very, very active. He was speaking to journalists. He was speaking to people on the street. He was speaking to other polit- political leaders, both in Israel and in Palestine. He was liked by a lot of people.
0: It's um, t- It's also to his credit that he campaigned against corruption in Arafat's administration, didn't he?
1: well exactly i don't know how popular that made him you know it's difficult to decipher some of these things just from the archive um but you know i think he he's got the following like yasser arafat had but he's much more um straight-headed potentially um and i think he probably speaks to the people on mass better whether it's someone on the street or a high-ranking politician i think he can have a conversation Um, with different people from different walks of life and that makes him an interesting figure.
0: I learned from your splendid film that he played a crucial role supporting the Oslo uh, Peace Accords in the 1990s after returning from Jordan where he'd uh, been exiled after being arrested for incitement by Israel.
1: I mean, this is the absurd thing, you know, we we spoke to many Israelis, um, some of whom are in the film, including Yossi Balin, who was working on the Oslo Peace Accords with Marwan. And, you know, what he kept on stating in his interview is that Marwan wanted peace. He was, he was the one lobbying the the Israeli government. He was the one going to Israel saying, look, you know, you guys, you have to calm down because I can't control my people. So he was the one, until the last minute, really trying to rally peace. You know, and you can see it in the film with the archive as well, where he's participating in peaceful demonstrations.
0: But sometime after the Oslo Accord, he no longer identified as a pacifist. Why?
1: Well, I think this is where, you know, the likening to Mandela um, comes into play. You know, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. And if you push a population... All the time, I think there is going to be a repercussion. You know, Marwan was a leader; he he had supporters, but I think he was pushed into a corner. And I think to enable less, uh, to enable less extreme, to, to to try and keep out a more extreme form of reaction to the end of the Oslo Peace Accords, I think he tried to rally his people. Um, and continue doing that.
0: But he did, in fact, turn to violence. And, uh, well, in 2002, and this is to you, Sorsan, two years into the Intifada, he was arrested and accused of ordering terrorist attacks in Tel Aviv, including suicide bombing uh, against uh, civilian and military targets alike. Was that true?
2: Uh, no, he categorically denies that, and even in his trial, uh, uh, which he did not think was legitimate, he is the one who kept calling for uh, uh, the fight is legitimate against the soldiers, against the occupation, and you know, uh, uh, international resistance. You are allowed to resist an occupier. He was always against killing civilians, and he was always against uh, um, killing the women and children, and and anyone who is not part uh, of the military occupation. And you know, you can see that clearly in in the archives. But I think for Israel, because they recognize him as a powerful unifying leader and uh, they they wanted to put him away because he was the only one who was actually calling for peace. And obviously all these years, Israel always claims that they have no partner for peace, that nobody is going to be representing the Palestinian people with a long-lasting peaceful solution. So for them, they accused him of being the leader of Tanzim, which was the military arm of the um, PA. And this is where um, they they accused him directly of of, uh, killing civilians, which He denies
0: completely. You interviewed, as you said, former Israeli Minister of Justice uh, Yossi Bilin. Let's hear what he had to say about Baguti. He used
1: terror, and that was, in my view, a, a huge mistake by him. But is Marwan a terrorist? I think that he is not a terrorist who just wants to kill uh, all, all Israelis or whatever. And I, I called uh, upon releasing him from day one. I said that somebody like him who is a political leader
0: should not be uh, in jail. I'm guessing other other Israeli uh, political leaders or indeed Israelis themselves weren't as understanding.
2: Well, um... Some of them do agree with uh, Yossi Berlin that he is a political leader, and those who are in the peace camp, they do want him to come out and lead and and, and unify the government and have a long-lasting peace. Others, unfortunately, in this new extremist government, like Ben Gavir and Smotrich, they, will, they regard him as a terrorist, and that they hold him responsible, and that they will never let him out so it's uh, even Israeli opinion is divided on this and and uh, i I just want to go back to the Oslo Accords even some of the uh, Palestinians blame um, balrututi for supporting the Oslo Accords, but actually the Oslo Accords were a, a genuine um, uh, try for for the PA to to have a long-lasting peace, to have an independent Palestinian state, and it was like a trap. They were fooled into it. Uh, Israel did not uh, uh, follow its commitments, and this is where Beirut decided to start the intifada because they he felt it was a trap. They let them down, and and they did not follow up on their commitments.
0: I hadn't realized that uh, he refused to participate in the court process by offering a defense. Let's hear what he had to say about it.
1: And I didn't deal with the Israeli court. I didn't. I don't recognize the right of Israel to sentence a Palestinian leader, Palestinian member of parliament. The Israelis didn't respect the democracy.
0: So, so one, he says that Israel had, uh, well, no right trying a person from Palestine, which is effectively another country.
2: Yes. Uh, for him, the, uh, he should have gone into a court into, uh, uh, in the West Bank. Instead, he was being tried in an Israeli court, and he did not recognize the legitimacy of that court.
0: Sophia... There was evidence presented at the trial, uh, a paper trail of documents linking him to um, suicide bombers and he never denied that he had moved from pacifism.
1: Um, We did a very good interview that's in the film. It's with Simon Foreman, and he was one of the lawyers um, that was present, and he monitored the the trial. Because, you know, for us making this film, we really wanted to make sure that we had our our eggs in the right line. We wanted to make sure that we, you know, were on the right gravy train looking for facts, really, about Marwan. And also just so that we knew how to feel about this film that we were making. Um, And from everything that he said, both on and off camera, the court didn't stand up. You know, even if Marwan carried out these attacks, there should have been facts and there should have been proof, and there wasn't. the The court doesn't stand up.
0: He was in, he was in solitary confinement for a thousand days, even before his conviction, Sophia. So, and uh, he documented his time there.
1: Yes, and it's it's in a, an amazing book that was only obviously written in Arabic, hasn't been translated yet, but we got it translated so that we could understand some of what he was going through, and we've included some of that in the film. And it's harrowing accounts. You know, this man was free. OK, he had been in and out of jail since he was young, but this was a long period of detention. You know, a thousand days in solitary when he had just been arrested. No one knew what was going on. And this is what Israel often seems to do. It it, it arrests people without the right the right um, warrants. And you never then know what goes on behind bars. You know, people can tes- testify under forced Conditions and that's what Simon Foreman gave the interview about where he described how Marwan was, you know, sat on a chair with nails, he couldn't lean back. So what kind of information is being extracted out of these prisoners under that kind of circumstance? And it's happening today.
0: Sophia, that grab I played earlier was from an interview with uh, Lindsay Hilsom, the uh, the international editor at Channel 4 News, and she had interviewed Barghouti when he was imprisoned. Now, you spoke to Lindsay again for the film. How did she reflect upon his time in prison? I understand that he got a PhD in the slammer.
1: Yeah, so um, so just on that note, the PhD, he has educated... I mean, he's a very ed- educated man from the beginning and he's gone on learning and he's actually teaching um, as well. He's teaching students within prison because he thinks that the way to... Um, break free from Israeli ocupi- occupation is to learn and and to be educated. Now, when I interviewed Lindsay Hillsom a few years ago for the film, I went to her house and she spoke um, at length about her interview with Marwan Barghouti. It's something that she still remembers to this day. She was impressed by him. You know, they went through what books he was reading. She felt that he was looking to the future the future of peace between Israel and Palestine. And she pushed him on difficult questions, you know, about his involvement in the Second Intifada. And I think she came away feeling that he was a man of peace and that he didn't want to kill any Israeli and that he wanted to live side by side and build a positive, peaceful future for both countries.
0: She made the point that he was uh, trying to become more mature as a political leader by using the time to educate himself now a campaign to free free him was uh, launched from nelson mandela's prison a powerful piece of symbolism
1: yes and fadwa baguti Fad, um, his wife marwan's wife traveled to south africa and she was with um, Ahmed Kathrada there, who runs um, the foundation. And it was a big opportunity to get many people on board. They were signing a petition for Marwan's release. They had, they've had, they had Jimmy Carter, they've had many um, officials around the world sign a plea for Marwan's release. Now, the campaign to release Marwan Boguti is is still ongoing, but it lost a little bit of momentum. And to be honest, I hope that with this film, we can help them reignite it.
0: Now, Sophia, you've pointed out that he says that he and other prisoners were tortured in jail and uh, they'd go on hunger strikes.
1: Well, the hunger, you know, when my sister and I arrived in in Ramallah back in 2017, we didn't realise that there was about to be a massive one-month-long hunger strike. Um, We had never followed anything like that in the past. You know, we had ideas of Ireland in our minds in the past, but we were with the family on a day-to-day basis, meeting other families whose whose sons and uncles and fathers were starving themselves in prison. And it was terrifying because, you know, Marwan was moved into solitary, no one knew if he was all right. Everyone said, we know Marwan, he's so steadfast, and when he says he's going to do something, he's going to stick to it. And that made them all very, very afraid.
0: Sophia, you interviewed Palestinian uh Diplomats who raised questions with the the Israeli government about the treatment of uh, Melawan and other prisoners. Let's hear what one of them had to say.
1: Is there torture? Tell us. Is there ill-treatment? Tell us. Is there medical neglect? Did we have 200 prisoners who died uh, under arrest or not? Answer that question. Is there mass arbitrary arrest? Do you use administrative detention to keep people for years in prison? without ever knowing why they are there? Did you arrest half of our parliament? Did you do that or not? Tell us. Did you put people in isolation, including Marwan, for three years? Do you think any kind of laws allow that? Do you prevent children from seeing their their loved ones in prison? Do you prevent them to touch them even for a second? And you want to prosecute us?
0: From jail, sosan he uh, continues to play a central role in uh, in Palestinian politics.
2: Yes, he does. He had great influence on the street, and uh, for many members of um, of the PA, they they have loyalty to him. I think the reason he is. Um, he has such a unifying power is because he's seen as uh, anti-corruption. He's always been against corruption, even when he was a free man. And inside jail, he was able to befriend and teach many of the Palestinian prisoners who come from different uh, political factions, including Hamas, Islam al-Jihad, and... And, and the members of the PA. So he, he, he still has great influence. And the young people look at him as, you know, the hero, as the potential leader of of the uh, Palestinian people, because, you know, since 2006, with the Abu Mazin in charge and the PA having a terrible reputation as the subcontractors for the Israeli government, as a corrupt administration, They're looking for a a good, strong and uh, unifying uh, leader who can unify also uh, Gaza and the West Bank, you know, because there's been a risk for so long. And uh, and he's the only one that could command such popularity, and he's able to influence even uh, uh, policies outside of the uh, of his jail cell. So this is where his power lies.
0: One of one of the revelations to me in your film is that in 2011 there were prisoner swap negotiations, but Israel refused to include him in the exchange of more than a thousand Palestinian prisoners for a single Israeli soldier held by Hamas. Why was that?
2: Well, it's an easy uh, answer. For the Israelis, the last thing they want is a leader who can unify the Palestinian people. Because even when he was in jail, he, they came out with a, a paper that, it's, uh, uh, that would unify all the political factions and that would establish a lasting peace with Israel. And even Hamad signed on to this and this was shelved, and uh, and so they, they need someone who is a leader who is compliant, who will be weak, who will listen to, uh, who would work with them without having peace. Because, you know, this government, they always, this government actually, the recent fundamentalist extremist government, they've been very honest. They've always said there will be no Palestinian state, there will be no process. Palestine is just the beginning. But previously, in all the years, Israel always claimed there's a peace process we're negotiating when they actually do not want uh, peace uh, in the region because they want to take all, all, all the land. So it doesn't suit them to have a strong uh, uh, anti-corrupt uh, unifying leader like Barghouti.
0: So, San, which brings us to the current negotiations between Israel and Hamas. Barghouti is uh, not from Gaza and he's not a member of Hamas. Nonetheless, Hamas want him free.
2: They want him free because this is Hamas's way of, um, I don't say compromise, but this is Hamas's way of showing that they are willing to be under a leader who can unify them all, willing to make peace with Israel. And we're talking about a lasting peace. So for them, this is hopefully a a big card to play. But I'm afraid because Hamas are wanting him, this extremist government will probably insist more on keeping him in jail. Because, like I previously said, the the last thing they want is is for him to be free. And even when Shimon Peres became president, before he became president many years ago he said if I become president I will let Marwan Barghouti out he became president and that never happened so uh, this uh, this continuous demand for Barghouti and and Israelis uh, insisting on keeping him in jail just shows that they do not want uh, a unifying peaceful leader
0: Sophia he's been moved time and time again do we know where he is now
1: Yes, I've just been in touch with um, his family and he's been moved again. So, uh, you know, there was this call, there was a suggestion that he had been asking for an uprising from the people. Um, you know, it's very hard for Marwan to get any kind of statements out of prison. His wife hasn't been able to see him since before October the 7th. Uh, but lawyers haven't been to see him, so you know this thing that people are saying he is wanting to call people up for an uprising is is hard to believe. But that's what the Israeli government have put out as the reason why they've moved him to another solitary confinement.
0: Sophia, um, we've been discussing Julian Assange on this program for many, many years, and of course, he, his health in Belmarsh has deteriorated dramatically. What about this, bike? He must be in ill health after so many years in prison.
1: Yes, I mean, and what, you know, unfortunately what the Israeli authorities do at the moment there's any kind of um, difficulties between Israel and Palestine is that they stop giving him his proper meals. They, you know, they limit what his movement, being able to do the walks in the small space outside that he has access to sometimes. Um, When I spoke to his son last month, they were really worried about his health. You know, he's in his 60s now. He's gone through multiple hunger strikes. Um, We don't know what he's eating. I know that he was, I think maybe he was having one basic meal a day. Um, It's very scary not hearing from someone for months now. Um, And we don't know the conditions inside the prison.
0: There are clearly reasonable uh, comparisons to other opposition leaders such as Navalny.
1: Yes, I mean, I actually just watched the Navalny documentary two nights ago and it was harrowing because, you know, we our man is, is Marwan and watching Navalny, who's an incredible leader in himself, go through arrests and where it's led to now, it's really terrifying, which is why I want to try and help people see that Marwan can be released if the right people want him to be.
0: Let's hear... What uh, Baghudi has had, or has said about his time in prison.
1: Israel succeeded to arrest my body, but not my head, and not my soul. They will not succeed to do that. They will not break our will for independence and for freedom.
0: Tomorrow's uh, Freedom is showing in Australia as part of the Palestinian Film Festival, Sophia, but I I suspect it's been difficult to get distribution in the current circumstances.
1: Yes, it has. You know, we premiered this film back in the summer of 2022 um, at the International Film Festival in Sheffield in the UK, um, and since then, you know, we had put it into many festivals. We we tried to get distribution on TV so people could see it. You know, we made this film for many people to see, not just a small uh, minority of like festival goers. Um, but we didn't get any much much interest. Everyone said, "Oh, this is this is too political." But an unfortunate, uh, the horrendous um, occurrence of seventh 7th of October has made people look at Marwan and the region more closely um so people are interested now we've got a fantastic sales agent who's distributing it it's we've decided to put it on streaming platforms as well um it's it's the kind of film you want to watch in the cinema because it's it's it has a big presence but, um, but it is being streamed now as well so that people can, can understand more about this. this
0: Thank story. you both for coming on the program. I'm very grateful. I've been talking to Sophia Scott, co-director, and Sorsan Asfari, producer of Tomorrow's Freedom, about the life of Palestinian political leader, Marwan Barghouti. Thank you very much, Sophia and Sorsan.
2: Thank, Thank you so, you so much, much for us. having us.
0: Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play
2: ABC RN.